Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here we go, Draft Knicks. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Draft Nation podcast. As always, I am Joe 412, and I again will be your host for the next 30 minutes. For those of you who don't know who or what Draft Nation is, we are simply a membership, a, a brotherhood and a sisterhood of total Draft Knicks, and we believe that sports drafts of all shapes and sizes deserve more coverage, daily coverage, in fact, as each year professional drafts and all four major sports set records for viewership and attendance. And this year was no different with the NFL up 12%, NHL almost up 50%, NBA set records. So on Draft Nation, we feature weekly in-depth analysis on all four major sports drafts and draft prospects for the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, and of course MLB, which we'll be talking a little bit more about tonight, as many of you can guess on trade deadline day. Uh, and we're also going to break down the free agent marketplaces and how they affect your favorite team's draft strategies, potential trades for those teams, salary gap, capital implications, and the last but not least, Draft Nation will always offer analysis on each of your favorite teams and their positional needs for upcoming drafts. And so before we drop the puck tonight, or should I say, before we throw out the first pitch on the deadline day, uh, we want to thank our sponsor, as always, Caliente's Pizza and Draft House, home of the world's best pizza if you have a chance to check them out at worldsbestpizza.com, I'm sure they're going to appreciate it. And without further ado, Draft Nation goes back on the clock uh, for you, our listeners. Uh, tonight, as always, it's a pleasure for me to introduce our two guests. First, from Philadelphia to L.A., Mr. East Coast to West Coast, Mark Mancini himself, and Emmett Mann, one of the four horsemen of the draft apocalypse over at Draft 412, Draft Nation's Pittsburgh affiliate and home of the best draft per coverage in the Berg Gents, uh, welcome. You're now back on the clock with me. How are you guys doing this evening? Great. Doing I well, love it. Joe. Pleasure to be here. Good, good, good. Well, hey, I'm not going to waste any time. Uh, we only got 30 minutes, and we only, we're already down to 28 of them. So let's use our time and talk about Major League Trading Deadline. Today there was plenty of movement. We had some sexy trades like Justin Verlander. Uh, we had some off-the-grid trades like the Pirates trading Austin Hedges to Texas because they had a – injured catcher and some things they did there from the big to the small uh, and even some prospect for prospect trade, which I know many of our, our listeners like to, to, to hear about. Emmett, I'm going to start out with you, man. 
who was today's winners and who was today's losers at the at the NL and AL levels? I will start with uh, the buyer that was the big winner, and that was the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the longest name in professional sports. Uh, they have uh, decided that uh, they were going to ride it out with Otani uh, and take their chances in the offseason. So they very quickly pivoted from a seller to a buyer, and they made a point of trying to surround him with as much talent to make a run to try and get into the postseason, uh, see where it goes. And then I think uh, pretty much most of the sellers did very well. This was a seller's market. St. Louis having one of the worst seasons they've had in a while, uh, you know, and they just uh, uh, they they took some guys that uh, uh, you know might not be long term with them, and they shipped them out, and they got some nice young parts, and they'll be back in the thick of things next year. Chicago White Sox uh, did that as well. They they shipped some things out uh, and tried to right the sheep ship for next year and I think the Pirates did did well with what little they had to move what came back uh, I believe uh, is some interesting uh, is it going to move the needle much this year or down the road who knows but uh, very intriguing prospects that are pretty much lottery tickets don't know that there'll be O'Neill Cruz type of returns but uh, you never know until you purchase that ticket. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think you had a great point. I mean, I'm glad that Otani is staying where he is. I think that there's – I think that's a story in and of itself. Uh, I mean, there, for a while there, I, I think they, uh, you know, they had him on the block. How serious he was on the block, who knows. But, you know, I'm glad for him and for the Angels that he's staying put – uh, for this year, but just down the road in LA, I, I think one of the big losers might have been the Dodgers. I don't, I don't know if the, any of their the, the, their lack of moves. I, I think uh, was was a was a shock. Mark, what are your thoughts? I mean, who are your winners and who are your losers today? Well, I'll start with your Dodgers, the ones you brought up right now. And in LA, I think they've been a little gun shy of late. Uh, this is a team that really hasn't won a World Series. Uh, playing 162 games in almost four decades, 1988. Yeah, I'm not counting the 2020 season when you played 20 games or whatever. I know it was 60, but I'm not, I'll, I'll even throw in the 40 and whatever exhibition you want to throw in. But they've lost a lot of depth over the years. They've tried to bring the band back a little, bringing back uh, Keke Hernandez and Joe Kelly to try to, you know, stop the bleeding there. But you know, Urias has been hit, and, you know, I look at Urias like I look at uh, Barkley at USC when he was a quarterback. He probably should have, you know, got the money a little earlier. So Kershaw's been banged up. They didn't do really anything. They stood pat. They stood pat uh, during the off season. really. They figured, you know, they can pipeline guys coming up through their farm system. But I think this is a team that did it with smoke and mirrors. Yeah, they're in first place. Do they have enough? To uh, win in October, they really haven't uh, done enough to win in October. If you look at their past history, um, you know, they do great in the regular season, but they, they, they can't keep up with the horses. And I think the Padres were winners, bringing in a Choi, bringing in a Hill, keeping Snell and Hayer there. You know, a lot of people might say, hey, they're five, six games out. They lost to Colorado last night. 
But this is a team that knows now when their backs are against the wall, they're going to do some serious damage in the next couple months. Keep your eyes on the San Diego Padres. Atlanta's cleared above the team in the, uh, you know, the National League. And, and, and when you spin it over to the American League, I think the Angels brought in a lot of depth. Bringing in a, a Giolito, bringing in a Lopez from the White Sox, and then bringing back C.J. Crone. When he was there the first time, guys, you know, he, he didn't really, you know, he's trying to find his footing there. It's like a little baby duck in the water. Now he went to Minnesota, he went to Colorado, he came back. And, you know, sometimes in life, in order to move up, you've got to move on. And he moved on. He's coming back with a potent bat. You bring in Gritchuk there. Uh, the, the surround with Renfro, when Trout gets healthy, I think the Angels are going to be definitely dangerous. The Phillies brought in Lorenzen there, a guy from Detroit, first-time All-Star. I like what the Phillies did to solidify that pitching. They're not going to catch Atlanta, but if they can do something like they did last year in the playoffs, it's dangerous. Hey, guys, when I look at this real quick, because I don't want to take too much time and give you guys the space too, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati are sitting really good there. I mean, we could be Met fans here, we could be Yankee fans and say, hey, you know what, we got money, we can buy this and that. But what Pittsburgh and Cincinnati have done is the last 60 games here, they're, they're, they're loading up with uh, uh, speedsters, young guns. Cincinnati's trying to be the first team uh, to lose 100 and win a division. Pittsburgh is looking good for 2024 to get these guys' feet wet. Only one team can win it. So if you're moving all your chips to the table – these teams are going to look like the Pirates and Reds, man. Only one team can win it, guys. Yeah, Emmett, I mean, I, I, taking a little bit of what Mark's just said and a little bit of what you mentioned uh, earlier, I mean, this show is a draft show. We, we like talking about futures. We like talking about prospects in this case. When we're, this isn't, you know, the, the, the you know, MLB draft on, on the, the ninth of last month. This is, you know, tonight's sexiness for our listeners are – prospects that got moved too. Was there a team that grabbed a prospect that opened your eyes and said, Oh boy, they got a good one in return for somebody. Uh, what, did you identify a futures here that, that, uh, you know, will excite some of our listeners? Well, I, I would guess the obvious one would be uh, the Mets with uh, the trade of Verlander to Houston. They got their number one prospect and their number four prospect, uh, I mean, there were a lot of mid-level prospects uh, in, in the, the deal the, the Pirates made with San Diego. They got their number 16 prospect, uh, 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 left-hander Jackson Wolf, that pitched West Virginia. Uh, that dude's a monster, too. He's like 6'8". <laughs> six, yeah, 6'7". Six, uh, I, I think the story might actually be the prospects that didn't get moved, that the Orioles were able to solidify themselves for the stretch run without seriously dipping into their just obscene uh, wealth of talent. Emmett mentioned Verlander. Um, obviously the sexy trade of the day, but in your mind, did any of these moves today change your personal leaderboard for the pennant? Like AL and NL, what, did any team get – demonstrably better and is that well, now your I, favorite or do they or you, go ahead well I, I told you guys in the pre-chat and I don't waver away from what I throw out there because consistency will make people believe on any sports show you do and, I, and I'll eat my words if it doesn't come true but in the beginning of the year I had San Diego and I had Seattle I'm still riding with San Diego 
It's not how you start. It's where you finish. You know, this ain't a sprint. It's a marathon. And who cares about the regular season and positioning yourself? It just comes down to matchups. And when it comes down to matchups, I think the Padres are still a team to beat in the National League. Sure, it has been running away with it, but you got to look at the competition in the National League East. Uh, the, the Mets, you know, they threw away their season. And, you know, I, I think if you're going to give the, 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 the Dumb and Dumber Award here, you might want to give it to the New York Mets. They sent Scherzer to Texas. They sent Verlander to Houston. They're paying three-quarters of that salary. Why didn't you just pick up the other quarter, bring them back in 2024, and load your arsenal up? You're sending a, a message to your guys that we're waving the white towel. We don't care. Prospects that they got in return, who cares about prospects? Unless they perform in the big leagues, that's all that really matters. And we, we see what's happening in Pittsburgh with these guys playing together. I think what Pittsburgh and Cincinnati have done is almost like what Houston started, is you get that pipeline coming up through the minors, and then you strengthen yourself for years. When you look at the Mets and everything, I think that's a big problem. I'm surprised Seattle didn't make a big move uh, to really do something. They were more of a subtraction. But I think I still got San Diego, and if I'm going to tweak it a little, I'll go the Angels on the other side. How about you, Emmett? What about you? Does, does your leaderboard change for the pennant, AL, NL, or does it stay the same? Who do you, who do you got? Uh, I, I didn't see a real needle mover, uh, per se. Uh, I, I think, again, uh, there were so many teams that saw that it, the, the prices that were being paid for, you know, like a Rich Hill, uh, a 43-year-old guy uh, and a, a, a DH hitting below 200, brought back three prospects. And I think a lot of teams said, you know, is there really that one piece out there that puts us over the top? Uh, And so, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the Mets, I I think that was as much of trying to get under the salary, uh, the tax threshold for next year, uh, because I believe that I know it would have been their second year over the threshold. It might have been their third. And that's when – you know, in terms of prospects, you really start getting whacked uh, in terms of draft position. Uh, so I think they may have been protecting themselves from, from those onerous penalties. Uh, but as to uh, at the uh, – I, I think the last two standing are going to look very familiar. Uh, I, I think uh, the Braves and the Astros. I, I'm going to keep riding those horses. So let's switch well, let, here. Can I, can I intervene for one second on that? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, just a quick thing. When, when you see, I think with the Padres, and a lot of people aren't really looking at it, they're looking at a dysfunctional team, maybe on the West Coast compared, not as bad as the Mets, believe it or not. But, you know, they, they, they really haven't got themselves untracked. Uh, Walk has been on the shelf. And, you know, that old saying, if you're in the tub, you're not really helping the club. Uh, but Tatis has come back with a vengeance. They're trying to figure out this whole thing with Soto and Bogarts. But I think bringing a guy like G-Man Choi, who's a stabilizing force in Tampa, I loved him in Pittsburgh, just like Santana, leadership in there. But also what, you, what you're picking up with Rich Hill, 43, the oldest in the bigs, is you're picking up a guy that can really solidify some of these young guys and absorb it like a sponge. So, Keep your eyes and mark my words and adjust the mirrors 
the Padres are going to have something to say of uh, making some damage in the National League come October. Well, then that, that could gotcha. be, but it, it's not like the San Diego staff is a bunch of kids. I mean, you've got you Darvish that's that's been up for, uh, you know, I think he I think he came into the major leagues the day after Rich Hill. Uh, you know, they've they've got an older staff, and I've seen enough Padres games where these guys just sleepwalk through games. They make errors that I don't see get made in my senior league uh, baseball league out here in York County. Uh, right. And I don't know how much Rich Hill or G-Man Choi can, can overcome that. Uh, I just, I don't like the, the mental aspect of the Padres game. Uh, well, I think in the playoffs, you, you shorten the game. And if their starters can go five, they picked up Barlow there. They picked up, you know, they got Suarez that's come back. You start to shorten the game, I, and what Hader's done is lights out. He, he's, 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 I think his ERA is like under one. So, I mean, you start, to, you start to shorten the game up in the playoffs. Now you start to play those two-to-one games. Uh, that's where the Dodgers, that's where the Brewers, that's where the Reds can have problems. Maybe they match up with the Braves. It's going to be an interesting thing, guys. Yeah, let me switch gears on you guys. I know this week not only was there a Major League Baseball trade deadline, but many NFL and NCAA football teams uh, started their training camps in earnest this week. Uh, Mark, I'm going to start with you, and let's start at the NFL. I mean, are there any stories uh, that you're looking forward to seeing play out in any of these camps? Uh, and it could be with – it doesn't have to be with, you know, draft nation prospects or anything like that, just generally. Uh, are there any teams, any camp stories you're, you're, you're keeping an eye on? The New York Jets, and I kind of called it back then. When I thought Aaron Rodgers would end up in New York. It gets back to what I said earlier in the conversation. Sometimes in life, in order to move up, you've got to move on. Uh, Green Bay's loss is going to be uh, the Jets' treasure. I think this guy is rejuvenated. I think he's buying in everything. He's doing the OTAs. He's, he wants to be there uh, in every shape, way, or form. He's trying to confine to the teammates. The teammates are buying into what he's selling. I think the New York Jets are going to be a dangerous team. If they were in the NFC, I'd give them a straight shot uh, to the Super Bowl. The AFC is going to be like the SEC guys. You're going to have teams that are going to have 10-11 wins sitting at home. I think some of those teams right now are trying to petition if they can get into the NFC where, you know, 8-9 wins could get you to the Super Bowl. How about you, Evan? What, what, uh, what kind of stories are you looking forward to, to watching over the next few weeks in training camp in the, at the NFL level? The most important one is going to be injuries, and we're starting to see them. Uh, it'll be interesting long-term to see. I understand why the NFLPA negotiated, you know, quote-unquote easier training camps. Uh, I, I'm starting to wonder if that's actually detrimental uh, uh, to you because, you, I mean, it's a contact sport, and now for 17 weeks you, your body needs to prepare, uh, and you've got guys going down uh, on non-contact things, and uh, I, I, it. I, it actually has already played into one of my predictions. I, I had Denver as a uh, as a possible wild card. I've taken them off the board because they're they're they've got guys dropping left and right. The other intriguing uh, story to me is Indianapolis. Uh, 
fans of Draft 412 know my fondness for Indianapolis GM Chris Ballard, uh, tongue firmly in cheek. Uh, and this dumpster fire just solidifies for me that, uh, to use one of our Draft 412 uh, phrases, Indianapolis will be on the clock uh, when we get to draft night uh, next April. <laughs> well, you know, well, I got to say this. I mean, I, I, I love. You know, I, we did an interview last week with uh, with Tony Dunahoo, uh of uh, uh, the he has a TV show or a radio show in in Indy, and he was vacillating back and forth on on some things. It was it was a fun interview because it was it was deep. Uh, and he, you know, he was sort of giving his thoughts on, you know, Minshew versus, uh, you know, uh, Richardson. And then this week with, the, with I, I think, this impasse now with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, you got possibly the best running back in the league. Now, last year he had a down year. He was injured. Uh, but the Colts were down. Everything about the Colts were down. And, um, you know, this year, you know, it sounds like Ursay is not going – to sign him, yet he won't trade him. So he's going to play out his contract, and how does that impact the team? And I'm assuming that whoever was quarterback, whether it's Minshew or Richardson, they were depending on Taylor to come back to his 2022 form uh, and, and play at that high level to give them a chance of winning some games. And now you've got a running back who's kind of stuck in limbo. He can't win either way. They're not going to move him, and they're not going to sign him, so he's got playing out the string. I think that's – that's one, and one A is Jordan Love. I, I think you mentioned. Oh yeah, you just took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, Mark, you nailed it when you said Rogers left. I'm interested to see how how the Packers bounce back. I mean, you've got a team there that has eight first round draft picks on defense, and they don't play like it. <laughs> you know, they better play like it for this guy this year. And I think everybody's excited to see what they've been waiting three years to see is this guy. You know, here you go. Here he takes over, gets the reins. He's got weapons on offense, uh, and supposedly they've got a. You know, they, they've invested in the defensive side of the ball. There is no doubt. And with the second year, Christian Watson, a second year Romeo Dobbs, uh, they still have Aaron Jones. They, they've got. They're loaded. They got the weapons. Let's see what Love does. You know, coming out of um, the uh, the preseason here, and that's that's what I'm intrigued most about. But let me spin well, this. Back if I could jump on that real quick. Oh, yeah, sure. I know you, I, and we're up against it. I know that. But I'm going to throw a prediction, and I'm not smoking anything because I don't smoke, and I'm not drinking anything because I don't drink. I'm going to tell you guys right now, on August 1st, Green Bay will have the worst record in the NFL of all these teams, even even playing Uh-oh, in the hold NFC. Hold on to that, Emmett. Hold, hold, to that, hold Emmett. me to that because I will tell you this. Uh, the, the, some quarterbacks, when they leave, it, it takes decades for them to get better again. Case in point, you remember uh, what happened in San Diego when a, a Hall of Fame quarterback uh, left there and went to New Orleans, left the, the, the place in ruins. We all remember uh, Harbaugh coaching at Stanford. Took a long time to get the place going. Took a long time for the 49ers. Sometimes coaches can set a, a, a team back for decades. Aaron Rodgers is going to set the Green Bay Packers. I'm telling you guys right now, and I'll stick to it, no pun intended, but the Packers will have the worst team. And, I, and the funny thing about this whole thing, guys, I live next to a girl, and, and, and she is a diehard Packer fan, so I haven't run into her yet, but I'll pass the same message. 
Well, I gotta, I gotta say this, Mark. I'm not sure the Packers are the worst team in that division. You know, I, I mean, uh, the Chicago Bears are unimpressive, and until Justin Fields, and last year I think the guy had two 200-yard games. Like he, he doesn't throw the ball; he just runs. He, he's a great fantasy quarterback, but I don't know. They went out and they got DJ Moore, and, the, and they got a big trade. They improved. To their credit, they they made improvements. You know whether. Claypool turns out to be a bust in that Steeler trade or, or whether or not they, they got the right kind of draft capital back, you know, for, um, you know, the, 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 the trade that they, they, they moved down uh, with Carolina. You know, and D.J. Moore could be a big part of that. I mean, they, you know, with Mooney coming back off of injury, they clearly have pieces, but I'm not sure that they're better than the Packers. And Minnesota's taking a step back, too. I think Detroit might be the, the bell of the ball there. Um, but you know, I'm 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 a buyer on Love. I, I really think that he's this is his year to show that he's the real deal. Is he an Aaron Rodgers? No. Is he a Brett Favre? No. You know, does he step in and play well? I, I think he does. You know, do they make the playoffs? Probably not. But I I think Chicago's still the bottom feeder in that division. I could be proven wrong. I think it's Detroit's to lose. I think Green Bay and, and Minnesota shoot it out for second and. I think Chicago pulls up uh, last in the old Norris there. Emmett, what do you, you got any comments on this? Because it seems to be a, you know, a, a place of passion for our friend Mark here. Uh, <laughs> you, you know the old expression, uh, addition by subtraction. Uh, they may not be having the Super Bowl parade, but I think they had a parade uh, at least at the team facilities when Rodgers cleaned, cleaned out his locker. Uh, so, and it's not like, uh, he had wild success, uh, in the playoffs the last couple of years. Uh, I, I think it is Detroit's division. Uh, I, I agree with you with the bears simply because if I'm going to be consistent about saying that, I don't think Kenny Pickett, uh, has much upside because of his age. The same thing is for fields. He's 24. I think that window is closed. Uh, Minnesota is Minnesota. Uh, it, it, it could be one of those things where we're we're, we're back to the halcyon days of the uh, the NFC North. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, look, the, the the Vikings traded their best pass rusher. They yeah. cut their best running back. I, I don't know how you. Well, you, I mean, and yeah. of course, their first round draft pick goes out and gets in a himself in a 140 mile an hour. You know. Uh, Incident over the last week, you know, driving his Lamborghini on the highway. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I hope I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think well, it, here's I get, the thing, guys. And I know you're not high on on Cousins, but liking the Redskins on the other side of the coin, being a Pittsburgh boy, he, they, the Redskins haven't been consistent at quarterback since Kirk Cousins left. And Kirk Cousins wins wherever he goes. He'll he'll take you to a certain thing. I mean. I, I like the way he plays. And just like, you know, I think Mac Jones is getting an unfair, uh, you know, uh, battering in New England. I've always been on the Trevor Lawrence wagon, and he showed himself this year. But I'm into those big, tall pocket passer types. These slash guys, like, and I, I'll totally agree with you, uh, Joe. Uh, uh, Justin Fields doesn't do anything. The last Ohio State quarterback was relevant in the NFL. We had a gambling problem, and that was Arch Leister. So I'm not sold on those slash runners either. But those big top that can see the field, see the defense, the Dan Marino types, I'm all in on those type of quarterbacks. 
Well, hey, look, we're coming to the end of the show. We only have a couple minutes left. I know that you guys, we, we have fun with our lightning round every week, but because we only have about three minutes left, I'm only going to throw two questions out there this week. I'm, I'm going to pare back my list uh, to make it work. And, Emmett, I'll start with you. Uh, so you're having a dream, uh, and in that dream you walk into your room and there's a treasure chest that opens up and this golden light seeps from the treasure chest and you look inside and you see one baseball card that's in there with mint condition. Which baseball card do you want that to be in your treasure chest? Oh, that's the Hannes Wagner card. That thing keeps getting sold for <laughs> millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Mark? Well, I'm not going to waver away from my idol, even though he's up above, probably looking down each and every day, but... Willie Stargell, to me, you know, I know Roberto Clemente could be Pittsburgh, but, you know, uh, Willie Stargell's right there. Pops, 71, 79, man, the family and everything. It's been quite a few years, but it'd have to be Willie Stargell as I'm right now looking at my Willie Stargell bobblehead. Yeah, I, for me, it, it, in all honesty, it has to be a mint condition Ricky Henderson rookie card. Ah. Absolutely. <laughs> But, I mean, I know that's kind of weird. I'm an Oakland A's fan. It just is what it is. Uh, but, uh, anyway. Covered him in San Diego we... for a year, and that was interesting, and he's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> last question before we, we, we wrap it up. And, Mark, I'll start with you. Your favorite highlight real play of all time in baseball? Well, it probably <laughs> – it would probably have to be there. There'd be uh, the highlight reel would be the two shots Willie Stargell hit completely out of Dodger Stadium over the '76 sign. But if you want to look at a, a blooper, it would be the one with Jose Canseco where it bopped over his head and went over the wall. <laughs> How about you? Ann? We've got 30 seconds left. What do you got for me? What's your favorite highlight baseball reel play of all time? All Star Game in the Kingdom. Parker in right field, Gary Carter behind the plate, Brian Downey trying to score. Take a seat, dude. You're out. Yeah. Uh, mine, I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway, is Kirk Gibson rounding the bases. You know, I yeah. mean, I can't – I mean, that to me is like – that jumps out of me. Well, gentlemen, this is, as always, this has been great. Big thanks oh, again to both of you and our sponsor uh, in Caliente's uh, – Pizza and Craft House. Uh, check out their pizza at best, worldsbestpizza.com. And remember, while Draft Nation may be off the air, we are always on the clock for you. See you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I am Joe412 signing off. <laughs>